I just kept turning to Alex and going, "This is a damn fine movie. This is a damn fine movie." <laughs> You're it's so just annoying! Like... Oh my god. <laughs> And welcome to the 200th episode of the Recommendation Game. This is a bi-weekly film podcast where we take turns to recommend a film the other has not seen. We watch them separately and then we Skype to discuss them across oceans. Uh, my name is Orla McNeilis. I am joined by my partner in crime, Ricardo Deacon. You are listening to Double Digital Radio. Uh, the year is 2023, a mere... Six years after we began this little fledgling podcast, we decided to go for a small, uh, understated, um, <laughs> short, petite movie. Uh, this week's film is 1962's Lawrence of Arabia. The English have a great hunger for desolate places. They hunger for Arabia. I think you are another of these desert-loving English. I've been seconded to the Arab Bureau. Of course I'm the man for the job. What is the job, by the way? Have you no fear, English? My fear is my concern. We need a miracle. I hope to gain their freedom. I'm going to give it to them. A man who gives victory in battle is prized beyond every other man. It's going to be fun. Due to his knowledge of the native Bedouin tribes, British Lieutenant T.E. Lawrence is sent to Arabia to find Prince Faisal and serve as a liaison between the Arabs and the British in their fight against the Turks. With the aid of native... <laughs> With the aid of native Sheriff Ali, Lawrence rebels against the orders of his superior officer and strikes out on a daring camel journey across the harsh desert to attack a well-guarded Turkish port. Well, that's the first half <laughs> of the movie. Thereabouts, yeah. Giving us right up until the intermission. First movie with an intermission, I believe. Uh, the film was directed by David Lean, screenplay by Robert Bolt and Michael Wilson, based on Seven Pillars of Wisdom. <laughs> by T. Lawrence, that's what he calls his autobiography. Oh my god, what a yep. cunt. Produced by Sam Spiegel, starring Alec Guinness. Okay, this is an interesting order that Wikipedia has chosen. Starring Alec Guinness, Anthony Quinn, Jack Hawkins, Jose Ferrer, Anthony Quayle, Claude Rains, Arthur Kennedy, Omar Sharif, and Peter O'Toole. <laughs> okay. Cinematography by Freddie A. Young, edited by Anne V. Coates, um, <clears throat> and music by Maurice Jarret. So, this week's film was chosen by Ricardo. It was indeed. Uh, it was our first for a special episode. Um, isn't it? Normally we pick something that we've both seen, but we couldn't pick something for some reason. Yeah. Well, I like, think we I, ran out of Kevin Costner movies. Well, it, 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 no, we didn't. But at the same time, it didn't <laughs> feel quite special for like the 200th, you know, like uh, yeah. if we watch like try to watch for the love of a game again, or we could have watched the uh, revenge with Kevin Costner and Anthony Quinn. But 
I think that we'd spend the entire podcast trying to understand what we've just seen rather than like actually talk about the movie. <laughs> so like I I thought of pitching this like for years and I thought okay, first of all it's 4 hours so you you can't just pick it as a normal like you can like we've done it before but uh, like I'm also conscious that like you're a busy woman, I'm a busy guy. You know, like it's hard to fit in like four hours to to yeah. watch a movie sometimes it's not and like lockdown which is when we picked oj made in america which is like exactly like long. i watched that in one sitting like uh <laughs> oh, and, 2020. I, I, and i was like okay let's okay that's a good reason to pick lawrence of arabia the other good reasons is that it's actually like a special movie like a truly special movie because it's the movie that made me want to be a filmmaker so it's kind of like it gives a since we're going to be slightly retrospective, maybe, because this is the 200 episodes and stuff like that, that is something that I can look back upon and see, like, the stages of my life that I've seen this movie, because I've seen it, like, six or seven times over the years, but every time I get Holy a different crap. understanding from the movie, because it is a very dense film. It is four hours, but it is, like, brimming with content. It's not... It doesn't drag at all. Like, uh, you can fill a 10-hour miniseries with the amount of plot that this movie has so that's part of the reason the other part is that i fucking love this movie like uh i love david lean like second of if second time offender i think we just didn't yeah done we brief did encounter, uh, i think we did brief encounter which was episode 128 okay so we do so... one every 70 episodes uh, for the for the 280th <laughs> episode i'll pick uh, bridge on the river Kwai or dr shivago or something oh, or oliver twist i love david lean like i think he's one of my favorite directors uh uh filmmakers in general i think that like you really can tell that he was an editor before he was a director because his movies mm. really like unless when they fail but that's like the in a way, like when they fail, is like uh, bad editing. Like Ryan's daughter is just boring because their movies sometimes then not a lot happens, or if a is lot happens, it's kind of in this. Sorry, is that the one set in Ireland? Yes, yeah, the one that saved the Dingo Peninsula from going bankrupt. <laughs> she did what tourism, or just to the them film? No, because the entire them? cast stayed. Like they built a village in the middle of Dingo, and the entire ca- because it was so remote at the time, the entire cast had to stay there. Like uh, I think the New Yorker did an article on the making of Ryan's daughter, uh, and the, th- that article was far more interesting and better than the movie <laughs> the Ryan's daughter. But um, <laughs> like there are a lot of things in the making of this movie that it just makes it interesting as well. Just the fact that they like decided to fucking bring seven Panavision seventy mil cameras to the middle of the desert the they even had to develop something to stop the film from melting inside the camera cans because we're like in the middle of the desert the fact that they couldn't really do more than one take at any one point because otherwise the sand wouldn't be pristine so you mm-hmm. had to like wait forever because you can't just you know the moment that you go to try to clean the line in the sand that people moved in you're also like adding extra footsteps or whatever so it's like one take and that's it kind of job and uh you have even like little things that you know they the way the movies used to be financed at the time is that like this is a british production british money whatever that they had to get an american actor to be in the movie to get the funding and what a like stroke of genius to cast anthony quinn 
Zauba. Like, uh, he was so dedicated that he put on his own makeup. And uh, there's, I don't know if it's a a procritical story or not, but apparently, like, he rocked up on set fully dressed in the costume and moving around and talking like Alba. That David Lean didn't recognize him and tried to get him off the set because he just thought that it was like a local that had wandered into to the set. That's concerning. But <laughs> even like considering the like you know, let's put it out there like you, you, we wouldn't have like the like brown face. Well, no, in saying that, in saying I don't that, think fucking, we should. In saying Praise that Christian Bill for did, his own bride face. No, no. In saying that Christian Bill did play an Arab Jew three years ago. Oh uh, yeah. Wait, what? So yeah, like he played Moses in like an Egyptian Jew. He played Moses in that movie that really Scott did. There was like Taryn Egerton and uh, oh, no Joe Edgerton. Oh my god. I feel like fucking Gentiles playing Jews is like the kind of last fucking it, uh, Hollywood will just not give up on that one. Um, yeah, but then you looking you, at then you, 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 you Mrs. Maisel. Yeah, but you also had like uh, fucking some la- some white dude also playing the the Pharaoh. So it's like it was Joel Edgerton played the uh, the. Well, uh, uh, yeah, let's. This Ramses. is 1962. Let's not pretend that. You know, yeah, but, changed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But 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 in saying that, credit where credit is due is that the main character, the the most sympathetic character in the entire movie, is Sharif Ali, and it's played by an Egyptian actor. For 1962, mm. that is unbelievable. Like, uh, and then obviously, like Omar Sharif went on to play every single ethnicity under mm. the sun, from Russian <laughs> to German Nazi to. Uh, um, like yes, the, there's a movie ambiguous called, is how that's yeah, like, described. <laughs> yeah, which hilariously he appears in a movie with uh, with uh, Antonio Banderas, who's also uh, no, ethnically, also ambiguous. ethnically ambiguous. Yes. Yeah, they they and in that movie, <laughs> or at least from uh, like a white audience's perspective, obviously, if you were like Egyptian or whatever, you like no, he's not. But yeah, in that in the movie that they were in is the Thirteenth Warrior, where. Uh, Antonio Banderas plays an Arab. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I have to say, I do think that uh, the movie is a huge success. Not only because it has an amazing score. Not only because it has an unbelievable cinematography. Not only because it has one of the greatest like single edits in the movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Not only because it has one of the best performances of all time in Peter O'Toole as Lawrence, and also like a character that is deeply, deeply interesting. I think that is the it's so inter- like hard to make a movie where that your protagonist is both like incredibly likable and unlikable, incredibly like obvious in his motivations, but also that you never quite understand why he's doing things. He's kind of mm-hmm. an enigma. That the movie keeps you kind of at arm's length, which makes it even more interesting. That the way that the um, that the film has to draw the audience in is that the amount of times that Lawrence is seen, the perspective of every scene that Lawrence is in, it's usually the perspective of somebody else, is not from his perspective. But I think that the, the the real reason that the movie succeeds is that it has one of the best screenplays 
of any of these like big movies that you know you can throw money at all you want at the screen and like the epicness of the of the desert and the epicness of war and all these themes that are being dealt with but the script line by line is just very memorable but also complicated and like every character has their own voice which is kind of you know usually that's where you skimp off whenever you're making a movie this big you're worrying about the Mm. oh we're gonna have a thousand horses tomorrow whatever but you know like the characterization of travels even crazier yeah you have so many memorable scenes that i'll I quote them to people that never seen this movie and they don't understand. I know. You know, whenever I'm broke, I'm like, but I am a river to my people. <laughs> I love that bit. Lo- Anthony Quinn is one of my favorite things in this movie as well. <laughs> He's so good. But It's a great character introduction as well. That whole scene is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, but it also, it's the, the, the movie, like the first time that I watched it, I... Like, to be honest, I was too young to even understand geopolitics, but even like depiction of different races and stuff like that. And I hadn't seen I didn't watch it again for like a few years until like I was probably out of college and I was a little bit more like knowledgeable in politics and morals and stuff like that. And I started watching the movie. And in the beginning of the movie, I was like, oh, getting this weird feeling about how uh, the Bedouins and Arabs are being portrayed. But then you understand the the thing of like perspective that it, until you understand their culture is the bit of Lawrence understanding the culture based on books, not on yeah. people. So whenever in the beginning, you're kind of just seeing the parts of the culture that you don't understand because it's different to ours. Well, then as he becomes uh, more embedded within the culture, you realize that... Uh, the real problem is outside, like it's the British and the French that even whenever they're having like the argument across the table, whenever they take um, Damascus, that is the same as what's happening in Paris that, that year. It's just that it's like a different idea of like what is polite and not polite to say. So like you're, you're if you're like as an outsider, you go like, oh, quote unquote savages or whatever. But it's just that's the way to get meetings done quicker because whenever you're a nomadic tribe and you meet somebody, you have to like deal with them within like two days and then fuck off back to your, to your tribe to do what you need to do to survive without having the need. It is accurate. Like if this movie came out today, it'd be completely inaccurately and to a detriment would include a woman, which is uh, (laughs) as a character, which like, you know, sometimes doing the like doing it like this i'm not saying that like uh, um from lean's other work you, you can see that he's not exactly like you know a modern feminist before a man of his times he understood the um well he, he was able to portray a fully fledged female character like he does it in brief encounter like that's one of the things we talk about about like the nuances of both their marriages and their relationships and stuff and that like yeah. She is given an entire interior life as much as the male lead is. You know what I mean? So it, I don't, I, you know, I I can't. Well, like, 
Wait, where would you put a female character in here, though? You know, that's the thing. It's like... Well, it's that Lawrence wouldn't have been allowed to speak to a woman as, because of, like, uh, Arabic culture in that time. He wouldn't have... Where would he have interacted with them, really? Well, like, like, yeah. And also, maybe... he was gay. So, like, he wouldn't even be, like, in Cairo looking for, for women, you know? Um, yeah. The, and the thing is that the movie does cut away a lot of times to like women in the background kind of like see they're here yeah there's often there's often a lot of very interesting sort of like silhouetted shapes almost which is kind of interesting of like uh a woman like either watching from afar or else you know like participating but just sort of on the edge of things you know what i mean but like they're not sort of showing in a kind of a like exoticized sort of way they're just showing that like they're there they're just it's also, I think, partly like a, even when I was speaking because to of the culture. Yeah, but even like whenever I was speaking to Alex about this movie and stuff like that, that it's like the whatever you have of the other parts of society, what you can accept or not accept based on uh, their culture as it was, uh, that the part that is kind of hard for her to relate to is the the, the treatment of women, obviously. But I think that it was easier for Lawrence to be able to square that circle because as a person who was a criminal for who he was in England mm. because he was a gay man in the time that he would be was jailed he a gay for man? being... Yeah. Is that like fully confirmed? Because I saw yeah. a few sort of like... Yeah, the the scene... The, of... No, no, like he... Even the 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 two boys that he had it's kind of like that were like his servants it's kind of um understood that it was a little bit more than that as well but even whenever he went to arabia in like 1910s or whatever he just roamed around with a guy kind of openly being gay but not quite but regardless of like the veracity of the the claim let's say uh, in real life, the in the movie he is a gay character. So like looking at the as a as a movie, it's clearly coded that he is gay. Even like how happy he is with having quote unquote a dress whenever he's given the 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 ro- the Arab robes out of respect and stuff like that. But even the way that they dressed him whenever he before that, uh, they his pants are too big, his shirt is too small. Just to make him look out of place as uh, bought enough. The way uh, the way he carries himself, though, in the two costumes is so different. Like even you really notice it when they first dress him, and then later, whenever he's forced to go back into his like official British dress or dick, you know, army dress or whatever, he looks so out of place in it. It's like he's like almost he shrinks down. Like when you compare that to when he's. You know, when they're in the kind of like throes of their victory and they're like taking all the train lines and stuff. Um, and he's sort of like, you know, he's in his absolute element wearing these like fabulous clothes. And just to, to finish off, I think that like as a four hour movie, it does have like really good pacing. I do appreciate that intermission is like two and a half hours in. So whenever you come back from intermission, it's kind of a race to the finish. Rather than like having the intermission right in the middle, and then you're like you still have like a full length movie almost yeah. uh, to go, and like even like having the 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 first half 
prior to intermission to have like kind of like the objective of Akaba, and then the second yeah. half being more like it jumps around in time a lot more in general like i hope that first of all that you enjoyed it because there there's nothing worse than watching a four-hour movie that you don't like <laughs> and uh um considering also that like uh, we i got accused once of uh, picking a very british movie like i always fear whenever i pick british movies but yeah, like but this is very much anti-empire as well. so yeah. you know what i mean like well they're um, both they're all anti-empire movies it's just they handle themselves in different ways I did like every time that I watch it, I just I sat like just for context. I plan was to watch half of it on Friday and then the other half on Saturday, and then like the, I hit the intermission, and then I was like, "Fuck this!" I'm watching the whole movie, <laughs> and I just kept turning to Alex and going, "This is a damn fine movie. This is a damn fine movie." <laughs> You're it's so just annoying! Like, oh my god. <laughs> just a good made like a well-made <laughs> movie that sometimes he like you know even with cgi like with all this cgi and shit like across the board whatever like the the actual knowledge of making movies sometimes just goes because it's almost you get to like the edit or like to the special effects and you're just trying to kind of you know it feels sometimes that like filmmakers went to a supermarket and bought everything and then they're trying to figure out what to cook whenever they're in the editing suite well this is kind of <laughs> like they built a very specific recipe went and gathered the best ingredients for that recipe and then just cooked it right at the end and i think that i hope they enjoyed it but like uh, without further ado uh what did you think of lawrence of arabia was it worth the wait? Four hours of pain. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh god, could you imagine? Actually, though, because like, how long is fucking Heaven's Gate? <laughs> Which is the thing I thought. Three and a half hours. Yeah. I didn't really think about yeah. oh, oh, what a lovely war, but oh my god, the fucking Heaven's Gate. I was talking about that recently with somebody. I can't remember why. Uh, yeah. No. No, I like really enjoyed this. Um, I did. I actually did think about um colonel blimp a lot um because like that film it, it takes very little time for you to get into this like it's pretty much from the get-go it's like very funny and very like scene setting and stuff like i think the opening is fascinating also uh handheld 70 millimeter camera like on the thing great I feel like this was actually a very good pick because I feel like not only for the podcast we've been talking about this movie, but I feel like you've been talking about this movie since the day I met you. So I went, <laughs> I went on to YouTube. Um, uh, I think I've had the same YouTube account probably forever. Um, so, which is interesting because it means that I have like however many years of my entire YouTube history, which is fascinating. So I went on to like look up clips and stuff, and um, I noticed that uh, I had already watched um, one Martin Scorsese on Lawrence of Arabia, and two Steven Spielberg on Lawrence of Arabia, and I was like, "Gosh, I have no memory of this." And I was like, "That's because it was probably two a.m." on our shitty moldy sofa and <laughs> with a room full of cigarette smoke and Ricardo going, no, no. And you like, <laughs> and you like. I'm sorry I'm like, Latin yeah. and a passionate man. <laughs> so 
nothing wrong with it. Oh, yeah. So it's like, that's funny. You're like, gave me a little like, oh, Ricardo's been here. Um, yes, God, David Lean. Um, I can't remember how much we actually really talked about him as a person whenever we did Brief Encounter. I feel like not that much. Um, but there's a, uh, I've written down a very funny Guardian article. It's kind of a bad article. It's like horribly overwritten by an awful writer that I didn't really recognize. But um, there's a fascinating quote um, talking about how like Spielberg is kind of like a you can draw a direct line between those two filmmakers because obviously he was so inspired by them, but also in like the the way they make movies and stuff. <laughs> While the Spielberg of popular myth is Mr. Nice Guy, Lean was known as an obsessive, cantankerous tyrant. <laughs> he didn't much like actors and was only truly happy locked away in the editing suite. Six times married. David always had to have a girl on any film he, walk- he worked on, said one associate. And he was not a great father, cutting his first wife, Isabel, and his only son, Peter, out of his life like he might excise, the st- <laughs> like he might excise a strip of unwanted film. While in pre-production on River Kwai in Sri Lanka in 1956, Lean received a telegram from the estranged Peter announcing the son of his first, <clears throat> the birth of his first son and Lean's first grandchild. No return cable was set. We know so many writers that are like that that they're like so empathetic in their work, but so like devoid of empathy in their personal lives. And it's such a strange kind of disconnect. It's like, how can you understand, like, how the human heart and how the human mind works to such a degree that, like, you know, fucking Lawrence of Arabia is a movie deeply about yearning of going home and not knowing what home is. And then, like, being able to, like, just fucking fuck other people's lives. Just, you know, like, if it's another Tuesday kind of thing, it's like... Six separate women were unhappily married to this guy. Like, that's pretty fucking impressive. I always find um, it impressive. It's like, how did you convince the sixth one that you're going to be a good husband? Like, um, especially if you I have like, like... Okay, fair enough. If, you, if you're getting married without, without a prenuptial agreement, you can understand why like, somebody go like, ah, fuck it. At least if it doesn't work out, I'll get some cash out of this Hollywood director. But if you're getting, a, he probably was getting a prenuptial uh, agreement because, like, otherwise, with six women, he'd be having to make a movie every year to fucking pay all that alimony. End up it being like fascinating that he there. had um, he had that many wives and he was married to them all maybe like two or three years, and he only had one child, which is kind of interesting. But um, I did think a lot of uh, Opel and Pressburger because. Um, a lot of comparisons to Colonel Blimp, um, especially in the sort of like the way the British Army in particular is uh, portrayed. Like it's very funny, um, but also we we're talking about David Lean being an editor. Um, he edited uh, one of the Paul and Pressburger movies, um, to the Forty Ninth Parallel. What that movie's called? Yeah, Forty Ninth Parallel. Yeah, nineteen forty one. Yeah, David Lean edited that. So there we go. Nice little connection there. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> There's just... Oh, God. I wrote out two of my favorite quotes of the entire And uh, 49th so... Parallel was uh, cinematography by Freddie Young as well. Oh, gosh. Okay. I like all these little connections. Uh, especially because, like, we we were talking about... When we did Brief Encounter, we talked a lot of... Um, what was the other Pell and Pressbreaker movie we did? I uh, you know where I'm going. 
Yeah, we were talking, but I know where I'm going, and I was like, I prefer a brief encounter. Um, Peter O'Toole, um, there's such an energy of like, he's not like other boys. <laughs> like at the start, like, they don't waste a lot of time establishing who this fucking weirdo is, which is so funny. Because it's like, we move from the funeral. It's so girdle, but they move from the funeral into like, uh, he, what did, what's the line? It's like, oh, he had a pr- profound effect on his unit in Egypt or something. I can't remember. It's like, da, 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 and the da, Arab da, 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 revolt. Da. Yeah. Yeah. Like and they're it's like, proper, this... proper, like, uh, uh, proper politicians answer of not saying anything. But, uh... <laughs> yes. Um, but they're, uh, they're painting maps, doing some hardcore sexy cartography as one did. He, he keeps like he's he's there with his friend and uh, they're chatting and uh, <laughs> Lawrence keeps <laughs> he keeps saying his full name. Michael George Hartley. This is a nasty, dark little room. That's right. And he also says a fascinating line. Well, what's the trick then? The trick, William Potter, is not minding that it hurts. Gordon Liddy. Stole that from Lawrence of Arabia. I could not believe this. I was at a party once and uh, Liddy put his hand over a candle and he kept it there. He kept it right in the flame until his flesh was burned. Somebody said, what's the trick? And Liddy said, the trick is not minding. That must be. There's no possible that's a thing that gordon liddy actually said in real life that's not made up it's a real thing that he said to people very famously so the idea that he was just a film nerd like who knows if lawrence actually said it in real life who cares gordon liddy stole it and i think that's so funny also hilariously uh i've never seen prometheus but prometheus the uh michael fassbender's character of as the robot is obsessed with uh, Peter O'Toole's performance as Dick Lawrence, which I think is so interesting. And there's also a scene where he uses that line as well. And I was like, that's so interesting. Yeah, and also in that um, movie, like he's wearing like blonde hair and kind of becomes kind of like this asexual yeah. kind of performance. Like he really mimics uh, Peter O'Toole in this movie, which is very interesting. Yeah, it's such a fascinating portrayal of like a man like I didn't realize this is based on a real person first of all which was fascinating to learn um and there's a lot of like <sighs> people get very into the like because <laughs> it's based on every historical person they get very upset about like the differences in with historically but also as the person like as the character himself and how uh Lawrence himself was very short and he's portrayed by Peter O'Toole who was very tall and I was like first of all Peter O'Toole is one of those people that does not look tall <laughs> like he and it's the way he portrays the character it's you're never watching him going you seem too tall to play this person and like looking at not that I think people need to be exact replicas of the person that they're portraying at all because I think the performance is really interesting but there are pictures of him of the real man where he holds himself in such a particular way of like his stature and his sort of like his posture and stuff, which is really interesting. And I think that like Peter O'Toole uses his body really, really interestingly in this movie, like because of, 
it's like not just the switch of whenever he's like out in the desert kind of like you know feeling his real self and then whenever he's sort of confined back into the british arminess of the whole thing and like you know which is very interesting with like the very last scene which you should talk about it but um yeah i i wondered like, whenever you know, he comes you know, back from akaba and goes and gets lemonade with the, yeah. the raving kid i think yeah it's, i i didn't really know anything about the 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 real person this is based on i didn't know an awful lot of like this particular period of history as well so it didn't really bother me whether or not it was accurate it was more it's i feel like it's accurate in the way that he creates a character that is such an enigma um but it's also like it's a very interesting portrayal of someone who's like rejecting everything that he's supposed to be like rejecting being like an army man rejecting being like this idea of masculinity rejecting being a british man as well it's where he's like it's a movie of like so much but all he is kind of also rejecting his like whiteness in a way as well you know where he, but he's like constantly punishing himself for all these things you know which is interesting for a man that society would have punished for having his sort of like uh vague sexuality but he's never punishing himself for that he's never like he's more it's like he's it's like it's like self-flagellation for just being from oxfordshire you know and like what does he say about oxfordshire he's like it's very fat <laughs> full of fat people yeah and also the whenever fat people. and also coming from like you know the the idea of the idyllic version of britain at the time is like rolling green fields or whatever but if you came from mm. a city in 1915 it would have been fucking early like you you would have been born at the like height of fucking coal power uh you would have been born revolution with kind of thing it'd just be clouds of coal and horrible squalor everywhere and just piss and untreated sewage in the there street. is no london fog <laughs> exactly and it, 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 like that's why like the line whenever he says that he likes the desert because it's clean Hmm. like it's actually like it's lost i think in the modern audience to a certain degree because like 19 like early turn of the century capitals is not like a place that you want it to be let's say i think like we don't really have any evidence that he was confused about his sexuality either that's the thing like we don't you know like there's not really any so that we don't need to have like that like, if he was, that would be an interesting part of his character. But, like, we don't really have any evidence for that. Yeah. So I think, like, them taking the ambiguity that was around it because of the time versus his ambiguity. Because it didn't seem as if, like, from my very broad reading of his Wikipedia page that he was, like, you know, that that was something that he struggled with. It was kind of like everything else about his person that he seemed to struggle with. Um, not least the fact that he seemed to really enjoy violence. Uh <laughs> Oh, I, I, I killed a man. Oh, it's okay. No, it isn't. No, it's not the other thing. It's I enjoyed it. That is such a good. It, oh, that whole section in the movie so good. It was written. It was execution, Orans. No shame in that. Besides, it was necessary. You gave life and you took it. The writing is still yours. It's so interesting because when, spread out on a first watch, 
you don't you you kind of assume he's upset for one reason that he's clearly very troubled by it but then you learn later it's because he got like he was like oh that didn't affect me the way i thought it was going to oh god oh god um there were maybe like one or two points where i was like okay i'm maybe like a little sick of them trekking through the desert now um like there's maybe just like slightly a little bit too much of them suffering in the desert but at the same time so much of that particularly as we get into once he's kind of met all the main characters and they're they're kind of like doing their various campaigns and stuff um a lot of it is about developing their relationships like particularly the kind of like like bromance that he has with um ali um <laughs> it was very interesting how that develops and it's interesting as well because you see his horror at what Lawrence becomes towards the end of the film and like he has some really great lines like whenever the uh uh the photographer like the journalist um comes like he comes over and like sees the like absolute massacre that's just occurred and he's like well, what's the line he says he's like oh you rotten man here let me take your rotten bloody picture brutal oh my god um I've written down a lot of sassy camels in this film. Oh, camels <laughs> are, are amazing. Oh my god. Jesus, camels are class. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of like, and it's stuff that's... <laughs> I don't know if it's, they just left it in there because they thought it was funny or because they only had like one take of things. But there are certain points that they're like... It's going to take us 20 days and 20 camels are going to die. And then it's like camel going. Brr. <laughs> like, so yeah, the sassy God. camels. Yeah, they're, 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 they're very well trained. They're lovely animals. <laughs> sassy camels. I like how I they sit, that... sit down. You know, whenever they sit down yeah. and then like he climbs down or whatever. Like, it's so cool. You have to say as well. They, they all just fold their legs. The... Yeah. Underneath themselves. It's so weird. Like, yeah. You have to say that Omar no. Sharif has one of the great film walks. I think he has such like a good walk such whenever he's such a babe. Just... Oh my yeah, god! Like, uh... it's he when he turns up at the start, you're just like, oh. And then whenever they get to like Prince Faisal's place, and he's like, you know, they're like in the tent and like chatting and stuff, and you're just like, hmm. but even so like the these, way like, that they frame fucking... it, that they're leaning against each other, kind of it's yeah. So... He comes in and like you know, there's room, and he just sort of like sits in behind him and i'm like oh <laughs> you know and like and like lawrence doesn't do anything he's not like you know why are you sitting so close to me he's just like that's fine you can lean against me no no worries even though it's probably a thousand degrees in here imagine like in 1962 that you barely seen anything in fucking color never mind like in 70 mil you'd never seen the desert and you go in and watch this movie and he blows out the that fucking match and it cuts the sunrise in the desert with that amazing score and then the next shot is him like riding the camo and the camera pans and you just see only desert all the way to the horizon it must have been like unbelievably mind-blowing to be sitting in that theater and going like what is mm. this what is this alien universe that exists is that a special effect is this real whenever they say desert it's like and it really captures the size and grandeur of desert that is like it's 20 days you write mm. 20 days and it's like this it looks like this for 20 days of writing non-stop just going back because you, you mentioned about talking to about the end is that i wanted to 
bring it to that bit is that I think that that's the bit that killed me because this was the first movie that made me feel like I lived that lifetime with that character. That that change yeah. is so great because both the ending and the start are so memorable, but also like from the face and how much the character has changed. And because the changes are so incremental, there's no scene that you go, this is whenever he changes. Because it's always, he's always evolving. And the character that he is at the end of the movie is not the character that he is in the beginning of the movie. Well, like the beginning of the narrative in Egypt, obviously he is the character at the, the beginning of the movie as in like whenever he's riding in the mo- motorcycle in, in Oxford. It's a funny way to start the film, like, because you're like, Lawrence of Arabia. And he's, I think, I, can't, I think it's like uh, Scorsese says this in that little clip I was watching where it's so odd because you think you're expecting that you're going to open on the vista of the desert and you're open in like fucking Oxfordshire or wherever, you know, and he's just like setting up his little motorbike and then like, you know, <laughs> like it's such an odd. And then like, boom, he's dead because of like fucking Muppets on bikes. But it's um, so clever because you know that you like that he succeeds to a certain degree because he's being buried in St. Paul's Cathedral. So it's not like the yeah. And because of what he's oh, done the in there. Sass. Yeah. The sass, they're like, well, nil nisi bonum. But did he really deserve a place in here? Like the ending, whenever you just like it cuts and you see the, he goes, you're going home, sir, home. And it's like the movie, like you, you know, like it's almost like teasing you because you know that it's like the character wants to say, I don't know what home is, where home is. And the camera is just in his face. And you know that that's like exactly what is in his brain. And then the motorcycle goes past and the sand just blows in the wind. And you like, and it just ends and you're like, ah, so good. <laughs> that is a movie that earns the end title of the end. Yeah. <laughs> also Not because it spends about do. 20 minutes in the opening, like uh, both with like an overture. Uh, then like yeah. like five minutes of credits over him like fiddling with a motorcycle but I do appreciate yeah. how like uh, uh, old movies did that like in a way it, it gets you like in the mood to watch a movie you know like nowadays it's like oh there and then it has to because there's no opening titles at all now I, I, I do still think it's one of my favorite films of all time um Mainly because of that emotional kind of like whenever you get into the end that you said that the ending is brutal, but it's also because it's kind of it's brutal because of kind of like vague emotions that you have based on what you watched. It's not something that is like mm. plot related. It's not like a tragedy. You know, like you finish watching like Romeo and Juliet, and it's like oh they died, sad, whatever. That this is like. It's a relatively bleak ending, though. Yeah, like, but, like, if you, like, plot-wise, he set out to do what he wanted to do. He delivered Damascus to yeah. uh, Arabia. The The Brits won the war. He survived the war. Everybody he cared about survived the war. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, if you look and at... And yet, w- it's so depressing. Exactly. and But also, it's depressing without anybody explaining to you why he's depressing. There's no scene that he sits down and talks about why he's depressed or whatever. And mm. it's the moment that I realized that that's filmmaking. 
that's what made me want to be a filmmaker like in the sense of like rather than being a writer or whatever else like writers in like a novelist or whatever like i've seen it in the cinema twice i saw one in a 70 mil display and one in a 4k restoration and medios what a movie to watch in the cinema it's like truly like <laughs> you sit there and you think what movies are and i'm like you know, Alex was telling me that, like, she saw Lawrence of Arabia the first time on, like, a CRT TV that is, like, fucking 12 inches across oh that sits on her, yeah. would sit on top of her uh, parents' <laughs> fridge in the kitchen. Oh, I bet it was a funny color. I feel like TVs and kitchens were always, like, pink or something. Well, like, uh, the, I'm glad that you watched it. I think, well, glad that you watched it. <laughs> I'm glad you were able Imagine. to put up with four hours, consider like... Imagine it, I... Since you're part of the TikTok like... generation. <laughs> I like the idea of, like, this is the first film that I just don't watch. Like, the four-hour playing epic. I just, like, piece it together with, like, YouTube clips and reading Wikipedia. Um... <laughs> I'm glad that you watched it. I'm glad just... that you enjoyed it because I don't know how I'd be able to... Like, I, I say this a lot in the podcast, but I truly wouldn't be able to process <laughs> it this time uh, if you didn't like it because, damn, it's a fine movie. Like, it is a movie. It is a yeah. movie. The same way that Top Gun is a movie, this is a goddamn movie. Yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed this. I had a great time with it yesterday. I uh, was very wise and put it on good and early. Um, so I wasn't like tired by the end of it, which was good. Um, yeah, I had a great time with it. Anyways, uh, what was your favorite thing? Like I said in the beginning, I think it's, uh, even though like it has so many other things that are amazing, like the cast is unbelievable. Cinematography is incredible. Music is so memorable, but I think this script holds it all together. Um, uh, from the beginning, like even like little details, like whenever he says that, was, that they try to take Medina, whenever he reads the paper and it's in Arabic. Mm. So it's, it's such like really small expositions. The It just keeps the movie tagging along. But, you know, even Alambi, who is just the general in other movies, he'd just be like the general. But he keeps talking about how he becomes a character in his own, like the way that he keeps like, Saying that, oh, I'm happy I don't have to make a decision like that because I'm not a politician. Oh, I'm happy that I don't have to make a decision like that because I'm not a soldier. <laughs> it's like, what decisions do you make? Why do we pay you money kind of thing? <laughs> but, Why are you here? <laughs> but even like Lawrence being like that, the, whenever somebody mentions to him that Alan B had taken over from Wilson, I think it was, that he goes, oh, at least that's a step in the right direction. So there's a certain respect between the two characters that I think carries across as well. And the guy that mm. plays Alibi looks the image of Alibi is like the attention to detail to make people look as close as they could to the the actual people is actually commendable, especially for the the era that like you know fucking people didn't give a shit. Like every single Arab character, they might not be played by Arab car- actors, which obviously uh, is problematic even back then, but in saying that they all have their wants and needs they're all uh um really portrayed as arab like nobody's making a, a f- making fun of them nobody is playing them as a joke 
and the tragedies that they were backstabbed rather than they were stupid or anything like that. And I think that it's very difficult for a movie to be able to juggle as many plates as this movie does and have a character as enigmatic as Lawrence in the center. And I think the script is what ties it all together and then it's like everything else is just... But it also like... Peter O'Toole is one of the greatest film performances of all time. I think Empire voted number one like a few years ago. What was your favorite thing? It is also kind of interesting just to tag on what you said there about um, like Alec Guinness disappears into that role. Like it's, you know, like and he's obviously like a really good actor and stuff, but you very quickly forget it's him. And every so often I had to keep reminding myself that it was Alec Guinness. But at the same time, like, it's not that he's like wearing a horrible amount of makeup or even for the time or that he's like doing this ridiculous accent because he is doing an accent, but it's not. There's just very little ham in this film, uh, considering for the the time and the type of movie that it is and how you know, as you said, little attention people would have paid to things like that because it was just, you know, no one gave a shit about it. Um, but, like, everyone is taking the film as seriously as David Lean is, basically, <laughs> which is good because it means that, especially if you're filming something where you could only do one take of this and there's a lot of things happening, there's a lot of people in it, there's a lot of actors, there's a lot of extras, and... Very rarely is anybody who's like part of the focal point of the scene not pulling their weight, which is obviously very important because like, you know, if one person's dropping the ball there, that starts to like, (laughs) in any sense, like even from like a technical level or anything, like everyone basically has to be taking it as seriously as they possibly can. I'm assuming part of that is because they're like, we need to get this done so that I can go inside, please. Um, (laughs) Because it's so hot. Um, I think my favorite thing is... I don't really want to give it to David Lean because just what an awful person. But uh, <laughs> um, I do, I just appreciate in a movie that is so like, you know, grand and epic as it's described, that things are done in camera, like, and they add so much to the texture of the film, but it doesn't feel like like folly or unnecessary or that they're just throwing money at it for the sake of it which is like you know even if you take cgi out of it it's still you know where it's just like more 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 and like you know obviously there's excesses here but it's not it never feels like they feel necessary to like fully portray like not least why he was so obsessed with the place like for starters because if you're not able to do that it's like his motivations make even less sense because you're like, why the hell does this guy want to stay here? You know, like even the kind of like the Arab characters are like, why the fuck are you here? You know? <laughs> like, yeah, like they're like, we have to be here. Like, no, no Bedouin <laughs> likes the desert. We yeah. like trees and water as much as the next man. Yeah. You, you know, it's like, why the fuck does this guy want to be here? Why does he care? Um, and yeah, like uh, I hate to bring it back to Heaven's Gate. But uh, <laughs> that was a film that felt completely unnecessary in the like folly of the thing. And this was a movie that felt, you know, that it earned all its accolades and everything. And, you know, and like that it was all kind of worth it in a way. And, you know, all the horrible sunburn that I'm assuming everyone, like <laughs> every perp hasty person experienced on the set of that movie. Yeah, uh, Just thinking, 1960s like, was... uh, sun cream uh, probably wasn't powerful enough to deal with desert heat. Uh, I'm assuming not. Uh, 
Do you have a least favorite thing? <laughs> I don't have anything that is like I don't think it's a perfect movie because no movie is perfect, but there's nothing that I dislike of the movie because like the the few things that are, you know, like that we called upon attention that it's like, oh yeah, there's no female characters in the movie, but it'd be like completely disingenuous and it like shoot horned in if there were. Uh, the representation is not great, but at least it's there in the form of Omar Sharif. And for the time, the it's respectful. So, yeah, I call attention to it, but at the same time, it's like a movie of its time. You can never judge things based on the morality of nowadays. It's like you have to judge it how the morality, how it's stuck to the the base of morality at the time. So obviously, if it was a racist movie, mm. just because it was a racist time doesn't give it a an edge but if it's above and beyond what the however bad the line was you always have to judge him with that principle so like obviously if the movie came out today you'd have to have like everybody that is arabic be played by an arabic person um what's your least favorite thing i mean it is probably the brown face like realistically like it's not it's not. It's not. It's not the worst version of this. Definitely not that I've ever seen. But it is still a bit like. Yeah, you still have to call attention to it. it. You it, can't say that it's good. It, yeah, and it, it's because when you watch it now, the thing is that it it takes you out of the movie briefly because you're like, oh god, no, and then like because the movie is like well handled and well acted and everyone's like taking it seriously and not like, you know, hamming it as you say. Um, you, you're able to like get over it, but it's still it, it, it's the start when you're you know it, it does you kind of go Ugh. so, um, but like very much a movie of its time. Um, apart from that, like you no, know, I had a great time. Uh, yeah. So God, if they want to go back and find the other 199 episodes, Ricardo, where can they find us? They can find this on Facebook, the recommendation game, and on Twitter at the Rec Game, on your podcaster of choice, on the Dublin Digital Radio Mixcloud, and on SoundCloud, and on uh, Spotify. Spotify. And the recommendation game at gmail.com is our email address. That was that was episode two hundred. Uh, I love you, Ricardo. Uh, let's do two hundred more. Yes. <laughs> let's just keep going until. <laughs> they shut the internet off and <laughs> Orla. it's 40 degrees everywhere Akaba is just that way <laughs> you just have to go and get it oh god is this this is our this is our Akaba <laughs> this is the pre-Akaba we have to go through the devil's anvil anyways uh, cool well let's <laughs> moving into our new era uh, until then I was Orla Matinas I'm in my winning era I was Ricardo Deacon. Thanks for listening. See you next week.